Hey, did you know Bluff Country is located in Mondovi? And it's your locally owned hometown feed and seed supplier. Whether it's your pet or your business, they have the products and service that you need. They even offer agronomy services from seed to fertilizers and chemicals and even feed and forage sampling. Bluff Country Feed and Seed is your hometown feed and seed supplier. To learn more about Bluff Country, check out their website at bluffcountryfs.com. It's the Wax Midwest Farm Report podcast with Joe Welke, Kristen Smith, and me, Bob Bosold. Brought to you in part by Bluff Country Feed and Seed. Good morning. Joe Welke here with you this morning. Kristen's homesick with Miss Kinsey. So Kristen's not sick, but Kinsey's sick. So I told her it was better if she just stayed home and take care of that kiddo and get her going again. We've got a lot of chores to do this morning. We're going to be talking about China buying soybeans. We're going to be talking about cattle inventories in the U.S. and Canada. And Russia has stopped their fertilizer shipments. We're even going to be talking about some Wisconsin chicks. Stay tuned and... Figure out what that what I'm talking about there. And Wisconsin is still the state of cheese with the World Championship Cheese Contest in Madison just getting over last last week. And Premier has the short notice consignment of cows that's not advertised in newspapers. They are it's a complete herd dispersal because of a partial barn collapse. So um, there are 300-plus Holstein dairy cows and spring heifers, including some nice Fleck Lake cross cows, the multi-generational farm. And they are coming out of Basel Dairy in Minnesota. So we'll have a little bit more on that a little bit later. But first, let's get to some chores. And we are at Wax 104.5. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Let's take a little look at some look at some temperatures around the area. Eau Claire, we're at 27. Medford's 24. Bryce Lake is 26. Wausau's 28 degrees. Green Bay and Milwaukee are, and La Crosse are all at 31 degrees with Marshfield at 27. Madison at 28. It's 5 o'clock, so let's hear what we have for news. NBC News Radio, I'm Mark Mayfield. Russia appears to be pulling out all the stops in its invasion of Ukraine. A senior U.S. defense official told CNN on Sunday that the country has fired 600 missiles at its neighbor, that they've also amassed 95% of their combat power inside Ukraine. Despite the show of strength, the Russian assault continues to be slowed by the strong Ukrainian resistance. The military convoy that is north of Kiev also remains stalled, and there hasn't been an update on how far it is from the city's center. U.N. Ambassador Linda Thomas-Greenfield says the U.S. will not approve a no-fly zone in Ukraine. President Biden has been very, very clear that American troops will not be put on the ground or in the air to escalate this war. Appearing on ABC's This Week, she added that sanctions against Russian President Vladimir Putin and his country are working, especially with the ruble sitting at one cent to the dollar. However, Thomas Greenfield said she was at a loss to explain why Putin is continuing his invasion of Ukraine, given the severe economic toll that sanctions are taking on Russia. Representative Michael McCall is using some strong language to describe the Russian war on Ukraine. Historically, I'm reminded of when Hitler invaded Poland, the country I'm in right now. This seems eerily similar. Appearing on CNN's State of the Union, the Texas Republican described the ongoing violence as a genocide. 
McCall said that continuing to import Russian oil meant the U.S. was symbolically funding President Putin's war machine. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says the body is looking at ways to further isolate Russia, including banning the import of Russian oil and energy. In a letter Sunday, the California Democrats said some of the ideas being worked on include the energy ban and repealing normal trade relations with Russia and Belarus. And as Russia's invasion of Ukraine intensifies, Americans are paying near record amounts for gas. The national average for gas topped $4 on Sunday. It's yet to be seen if prices will surpass America's current highest recorded average of just over $4.11. You're listening to the latest from NBC News Radio. And let's take a look at our weather. Today, our high is supposed to be 30 degrees. Tonight, a low of 12, partly sunny skies. Tomorrow, 40 degrees with our nighttime temperature at 15. Wednesday, 23, with a low of 10. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, where highs are in the 20s. and sun, But Sunday, we're supposed to be coming out of our deep freeze with a high of 35. There's only a slight chance of snow on Thursday. And your Skywarn 13 weather is brought to you by Marquardt Motors. Marquardt Motors will like to thank their valued and loyal customers, their hardworking employees, and the surrounding community for making Markwart Motors the largest General Motors dealership in the state of Wisconsin. Up next, we're going to be hearing from Sawyer Brown with Cafe on the Corner. He is coming to Farm Tech Fest on Wednesday, July 13th. It's across the road from Tar- Farm Technology Days in Loyal, and it's really a a cool idea to see that Joe Nichols and Sawyer Brown and Madison County are all going to be coming to Loyal, Wisconsin. So let's get a little taste of Sawyer Brown. Farm markets are brought to you by Rural Mutual Insurance. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. As the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin, Rural Mutual Insurance is rewarding their farm policyholders for their loyalty and commitment to Wisconsin agriculture through their farm dividend program. The farm dividend pays up to 5% back on your farm premium. Visit RuralMutual.com to learn how you could qualify. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Keeping it rural. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And Rural Mutual Insurance sponsors our market. So let's take a look. Choice. Choice. Fed beef steers are 130 to 146 with mix at 120 to 129. Choice fed beef heifers are 130 to 146 with mix at 112 to 129. Choice fed Holstein steers are 118 to 131 with selects at 86 to 117. With the cows coming in at 55 to 73 with a top of 96. Bulls are 73 to 101. Butcher hogs are 60 to 71 with sows coming in at 60, 51 to 69 and a half. Boars are 18 to 29. New crop market lambs are $2 to 235. Old crop market lambs are 130 to $2. Feeder lambs are 2 to 350. And taking a look at our futures, all the markets seem to be trending downward. So our live live cattle markets are 135.77 down 257 for April. For June they're 132.52 down 262 and a half. August they're 134.15 down a dollar and a half. October they're 141.62 and a half down 122 and a half. For our feeder cattle markets for March 153.12 down 322. For April, they're 157.25, down 327. May, they're 162.35, down 3 and 
three and a little over three. August, they're 176.10, down 262. September, they're 179.25, down 227. For our lean hog carcasses, for April, they are at 145, down four and three quarters. For May, they're 105 and three quarters, down four and three quarters. For June, they're 111.75, down four and three quarters again. And July, they're 110.70, down 472 and a half. So those markets are all trending downward. And let's take a look at our Chicago Board of Trade. Our markets seem to be trending all upward for different reasons, but mostly it's the Russian attacks. So corn for March is 778, up 22 cents. Butter oats is at 725, down a penny. Soybeans are 1706, up 30 cents. With soybean meal at $477 a ton, up $8 a ton. And wheat is at $12 a $12 a bushel, up 60 cents. And the reason the wheat is up is the drought conditions in the southwest. Those rains just keep seeming to miss them, and they don't are not able to catch up on any of their moisture. With our dairy products, barrels are 197 with no change. Our 42-pound blocks are 215 up four and three quarters. Our glass double A Butter is at two sixty eight and a half, down one and a half, and our class three milk for March is twenty two fifty five, up twelve cents. April's twenty three sixty eight, up twenty four cents. May we're up seven cents at twenty three sixty two. Was June down a penny at twenty three forty four, and July at twenty three thirty five, up fifteen cents. And those markets, with the exception of June going down a penny, are trending upward. And that's a little look at our farm. Rep- Farm markets. We're going to be rolling with some more chores and then we're going to be doing some farm news. And for our interview today, we'll be hearing from Aaron Zimmerman down in Madison talking about the World Food Prize and Lauren Christensen. And it's a contest concerning food. Food, teenagers, I think they mix well together. So that's a little bit of our mark. That's our markets. And up next, we'll be having some news on to chores. And I'm having a little trouble with the mouse today, not moving where I want it to. It keeps sliding over for the other screens. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And it's time to take a look at our farm, some of our farm news. China buys U.S. soybeans. Even with Brazil's export season in full swing, China booked at least five cargoes of U.S. soybeans for shipment in April-May. While those soybeans are old crop soybeans, China also booked a few American new crop soybeans that will be shipped out in September. According to the trader, U.S. beans were a better deal than Brazilian beans with appealing physical crush margins. U.S. Gulf beans' physical crush margins for spring delivery were just over $79 per ton, according to data from China-based MySteel. Soybean meal and oil prices have jumped to record highs because of dry weather in Brazil and the war between Russia and Ukraine. World agricultural supply chains have been disrupted and global prices have increased dramatically. U.S. and Canadian cattle inventories reported. On January 1st, total cattle numbers in the U.S. and Canada numbered 103 million head. 
down 2% from last year's number of 105 million. Total cow numbers, 44 million head, down 2% from last year. Of the total cattle numbers, the U.S. has almost 92 million head, while Canada has just over 11 million. When it comes to cow numbers, the U.S. has 39.5 million head and Canada has almost 4.5 million. Overall, U.S. cattle numbers fell 2% and Canada's numbers fell 1% from last year. Fewer cows out on the market may have something to do with some of the droughts that have been taking place. Just can't find the feed to feed them, so they end up going to market. Russia stops fertilizer shipments. To comply with Western sanctions, Russia has suspended all fertilizer shipments until carriers can guarantee the freight completion. According to a Russian fertilizer source, they don't have containers and ships are not coming in. Russia is the second largest producer of ammonia, urea, and potash, and the fifth largest producer of processed phosphates. Russia contributes 23% of the ammonia, 14% of the urea, 21% of potash, and 10% of the processed phosphates to the export market. Wisconsin chicks down on egg production. Wisconsin chickens laid 180 million eggs in January down 2% from December and 4% from last year. The USDA's National Agricultural Statistics Service report shows layer numbers to, in January to be 7.11 million, down 2% from January and down 6% from last year. Eggs per 100 layers for January equaled 2,534, down a little from December, but up 3% from last year. Still some awfully big, busy girls. Don't forget to eat your eggs this morning. Wisconsin is still the state of cheese. Seven Wisconsin cheeses ranked in the top 20 in the 2022 World Championship Cheese Contest held last week in Madison. Wisconsin cheesemakers won 39 Best of Class Awards, 35 Second Awards, and 36 Third Awards with 46 Wisconsin cheese and dairy companies winning one or more awards and 12 classes swept, meaning taking the top three places by Wisconsin cheesemakers. Way to go, cheese creators. And our top cheese, top first and second place cheeses came out of Switzerland. And they are names that I don't know that I can even uh, try to pronounce, so... We'll just say they came out of Switzerland, and the third-place cheese came out of Austria. Even though the very top cheeses came out of there, Wisconsin was very well represented at the World Championship Cheese Contest. So up next, we're going to be hearing from Aaron about a food contest, food essay contest. So we're going to go through a few more chores, and then we're going to jump right over to hear what Aaron has to say. And it is about 18 minutes after 5 o'clock this morning. If you've ever raised high schoolers, you know that those kids are awfully hungry and food is on their mind. This is Jill Welke from the northern end of the world's longest barn here in Eau Claire. Aaron had the opportunity to talk to somebody about this World Food Prize projects, and it's open to those teenagers. Definitely, Jill. You know, and 
I'm not a high school anymore, but food is on my mind a lot too. Aaron Zimmerman here from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And I had the chance to talk with Lauren Christensen. She's one of the coordinators of the World Food Prize Wisconsin Youth Institute. And they're they're looking at food, but in a little different way. Looking at global food insecurity is their topic. Students get a chance to write a paper, submit it, and start to be involved in the Wisconsin Youth Institute to start this conversation about global food insecurity. Then they get a chance to move on to the Global Institute that's held in Iowa with the World Food Prize. She tells me a little bit about how students can get involved in the activity and how things will go here this spring. Definitely. Thank you. Um, so this year is the eighth annual Wisconsin Youth Institute. It will be hosted by the University of Wisconsin-Madison, our College of Agricultural and Life Sciences, and the World Food Prize. And we're inviting high school students around Wisconsin, grades 9 through 12, um, to join this virtual event, students will be able to engage with other students, local leaders, and experts on critical global challenges that they're interested in, participate in immersive sessions, and explore ways to make a difference in Wisconsin and around the world. Definitely. And now you told me you were telling me a little bit about the students can actually submit a research project and they they research kind of what's going on as far as world food insecurity and put together a paper and project and submit it to compete in this event. Yes, yes. So to participate, um, you do have to submit a paper. Students research a global issue and write a paper under the supervision of a teacher or a mentor or a coach. Um, There's specific guidelines on our website, but that paper and registration is due on March 25th. And topics can really range from animal health to water scarcity to sustainable agriculture to education. The list really goes on and on, and there's a list on the website as well. What's just really important is that the student chooses a topic that corresponds to the country that they're looking at, um, make sure they look at all the guidelines for, for the paper, and then once they get to the institute, um, they'll be able to present their research and their ideas um, to students and experts around them. For sure. Now, let's talk, I guess, a little bit about the importance of this event. You know, looking at those world food insecurity problems, you know, it's definitely a problem that's out there, and some, not as many people know information about it as probably should. But doing this can give these students a chance to learn a little bit more and get involved with that topic. Definitely, definitely. I mean, um, you'll see in publications for this event, um, one-third of all food on the planet is wasted. One out of three schools do not have safe water and sanitation. Um, by 2050, there will be at least 9 billion people on the planet to feed. So it's a really a really big topic and important for, for students to be able to gain these skills and really researching and proposing ideas since they, since they are our next leaders. Now, we talked a little bit about the paper that students can submit and, you know, kind of do their research and that kind of thing. But now when it comes to the actual event for the Youth Institute, what goes on with the event? I guess what are the plans there and the agenda and uh, what can students look forward to? Yeah, so we're, we're still working on um, getting all the details flushed out, but it will be a virtual event so students will be able to log on. It will be um, from about 9 to 11.30, and then we'll have an afternoon portion as well from about 1 to 3.30, but we'll give specific details as you register. But when you log on to the Institute, um, you'll be able to meet with a lot of different people. We'll have roundtable discussions where students and groups um, with other experts will be able to present their research topic and their solutions and get to ask questions of one another and really share everything that they learned. 
And then we'll also have sessions with faculty and other experts for students to kind of learn more about areas that they're interested in. Um, but what's really cool is top students from every youth institute, including the Wisconsin Youth Institute, if they are selected, they get to participate in a three-day global youth institute by the world, hosted by the World Food Prize. And selected students and their teachers and mentors traveled to Des Moines, Iowa, when it is in person in, in mid-October. And there you get to present your research again, talk with students from all around the world, um, interact with the Nobel and World Food Prize laureates, and discuss pressing food security and agriculture issues with international experts. Um, so that's a really, a really cool perk as well. And then students also get opportunities to participate in internships once they are declared a Borlaug Scholar, once they finish, once they finish this youth institute. Sure. Sounds like an awesome opportunity. Now, you know, you said, obviously, this is not the first year you've done it. This will be the eighth annual Wisconsin Youth Institute. Talk a little bit about, I guess, what you've heard from students that have participated in the past and really, I guess, maybe how it's made an impact on them or what they've learned and kind of where they've gone in, you know, if they've continued kind of to work towards the research and things that they've they've done for the Wisconsin Youth Institute? Yes, so this is actually um, my first year being involved with the event and planning this event, so I'm really excited to um, be able to see this firsthand, but what I have heard from previous years, students really just love gaining the skills that comes from this Youth Institute, so not only um, practicing researching a topic, but then presenting it to a group and being able to answer questions. Um, and think critically as well when you're listening to other students and their projects. But then on the other hand, just being able to connect with so many great other leaders in Wisconsin um, and really be able to learn more as you you may be thinking about um, what you want to do after high school, things that you're passionate about. Um, So that's one thing. And then there are students who get involved in these internships, either in high school or in college. And um, what I've heard is the... World Food Prize is a really great community, and they continue to try to have as many opportunities for for these students or these Borlaug scholars that participate in these youth institutes to just give them as many opportunities as possible to really really gain those skills and connections as they move forward with what they want to do. Now, as you said before, obviously, to be able to participate in this event, you have to submit that paper. Now, let's dig in a little bit a little more to that project and that paper, I guess what the students have to do as far as research, kind of some of the requirements of what's going to, you know, make their participation in this event most, I guess, uh, most useful. Yes. So what's really great is on the website, there is a guide for seven simple steps to write your paper. So what we encourage students to do, um, start early, you choose a country and then dive into that country looking at researching a typical family, selecting a topic, analyzing that topic and its impact on food security. And then um, really the the big portion of it is exploring and proposing solutions for this topic. Then you go ahead and write your paper. It's important that you work with a teacher or a mentor, and that will get you to register for the institute. But it's a really great guide that I encourage students, teachers, mentors to look at. It lists all of the topics that you can choose from, um, and helps you really navigate that paper as you go through. Let's remind people, again, if they're interested in participating, these students are interested in doing the paper or getting involved, where can they go to find all this information, the paper tips, and anything they need to know about participating in the Youth Institute? 
Yes. So www.worldfoodprize.org slash Wisconsin will be your main hub of information. Any updates will be there. Um, This guide to help you with the paper, as well as registration details, everything is on that website. Um, Otherwise, students can always contact me as well. Um, My email is l-a-u-r-y-n dot c-h-r-i-s-t-i-a-n-s-o-n at w-i-s-c dot e-d-u. Perfect. Now, anything else that you'd like to add about the upcoming event and, uh, you know, why you encourage students to get involved? Yes, we're really excited for it to hopefully get a lot of a lot of students to be able to participate in this event. Um, I think there's, like we talked about earlier, so many critical global issues that really the skills and information that students will learn can be applied to so many different levels, local, state, national, and international. So it's a really great opportunity for students. And at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, we talk about the Wisconsin idea a lot, which is what students learn in the classroom, they really take out to the real world and affect the communities around them, not only in Wisconsin, but around the country and around the world. So that's something that we really want to show high school students when they participate in this event is what that Wisconsin idea is all about and hopefully give them a lot of motivation to continue to work on um, things that they're interested in and as they go to be our next leaders. We'll get here with Lauren Christensen. She's involved in coordinating and putting on the Wisconsin Youth Institute for the World Food Prize. Again, students can get involved by doing some research, submitting a paper, and then getting a chance to interact with other leaders that look at world food insecurity and how to face those problems. Again, that event is going to come up on April 11th, and those papers are due on March 25th. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Aaron Zimmerman. Thank you, Aaron, for that update and that uh, contest that's coming up. Go ahead and get some writing done for those teenagers and talk about food. After a few more chores, we're going to be hearing from Rocky from Premier Livestock. Agriculture. It's a Wisconsin way of life. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Still trying to catch that mouse that keeps running away on me and not letting me do what I want to do here. But I'm lucky enough, I have Rocky on the line, ready to tell us about, you know, we were just talking a little bit about those fuel prices. I looked at them again this morning. Oh, boy, they're getting a little scary out there. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. But, um, you know, we do what we can, right? Hopefully they'll everything will even out and come down a little bit and but i hear you have a short notice sign uh sale coming over there yes we do and we'll tell you about that jill uh just in a minute here thank you uh good morning everyone this is how last week's market shaped up here at premier livestock we did sell over three thousand head last week Fed cattle traded steady, high choice and prime Holstein steers 122 to 134, selects 110 to 121. Choice beef steers and heifers 128 to 140. Uh, market cows very strong, high yielding cows from 76 to 96, most cows 61 to 75. Market bulls high yielding 91 to $1.13, lower yielding 90 and down. Organic market cows mostly from 90 to $1, uh, with your high yielding cows from $1 to $1.14, lower yielding cows 89 and down uh, um, 
Uh, newborn uh, Holstein uh, bull calves uh, continue good, strong demand, mostly from 110 to 205 dollars per head. Your beef calves 135 to 395. Holstein heifer calves 10 to 35. This week we got a big dairy cattle auction. Uh, Wednesday we're expecting 500 head of dairy cattle. We're featuring a short notice 300 cow parlor freestall herd dispersal. It's going to sell unadvertised in newspapers. They're selling due to uh, partial barn collapse from snow load. A very nice herd of cows. Lots of two and three year olds, uh, and close to a hundred springers coming off that herd. They're two X milk herd, 78 pounds of milk, four one butter fat, three two protein somatic cell running under 200. Several other top loads of parlor freestall cows. we got a big run of spring and heifers. We even have a small Ayrshire dispersal. Full details on this auction on our website at premierlivestockandauctions.com. Uh, also online bidding through Cattle USA. Coming up March 25th, we're going to have our uh, spring machinery uh, and farm equipment auction. Uh, we are not accepting any small items anymore, and today is the advertising deadline. This is a very, very large auction. Uh, we have over 65 tractors already in our lot, and we know we have several coming in today. Uh, full details on that March 25th auction at premierlivestockandauctions.com. Like I said, appreciate no more small consignment. And if you want your equipment consigned, uh, certainly get a hold of us today. Get it in the lot today. And uh, that's the way it shaped up, Jill. Man, your week turned into a really busy week again. It is. It is. You bet. And that's that the way lot, we like it. And I actually stopped in that lot there last week or the week before, and it was filling up pretty tight already. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Every day, I guess, uh, Saturday was just unbelievable. The amount of equipment came in, so. Yeah, no, we're uh, we're blessed. We're happy about it and looking forward to it. So, should be some pretty good exchanges. You betcha. All right, so. you have a great day, Rocky. You too, Jill. Thank you. And that was Rocky Olson from Premier Livestock and Withy. We're gonna run right over to Mike Dandria. Mike, are you there? Yes, I am, Jill. Good morning. Good morning. How's your Monday going? Well, my mouse keeps running away over here and things flash at me, but the light that says I'm on air isn't on. Or We're still on air, so I'm doing okay. <laughs> well, that's always a plus. <laughs> but uh, something that's not quite a plus today is that we'll be a little bit on the cooler side. Now, it will be quiet. Uh, this morning, we'll have some cloud cover to start the morning, but then we'll clear out and see some peaks of sunshine, but only warming up to about the upper 20s and low 30s for the most part. Now, tonight, we'll have mostly clear conditions, maybe some clouds trying to work their way in, though, with lows dipping into around the mid-teens for the most part. Tomorrow, we'll start off the day fairly warm, but then we'll have a slight chance of just a little bit of a wintry mix. I really don't think there's going to be a lot of moisture behind it, though, so we'll see more in the way of cloud cover going into the afternoon. But our highs are going to top out around the upper 30s and low 40s by tomorrow. Tomorrow night, though, we'll cool it right back off. Mostly cloudy conditions and temperatures dipping back into the mid-teens. Wednesday, really not getting much relief. In fact, a little colder than today even, with mostly sunny conditions and temperatures only rising to about the mid-20s. Right now in Eau Claire, we are sitting in the mid-20s as well with overcast conditions, a couple flurries out there, 26 degrees. I'm Sky113 meteorologist Mike Dandria. Well, I know it's colder and we're only highs in the 20s, but at least there's not a negative sign in front of that. That's always, well, literally and figuratively, that is a plus. <laughs> yes, it is. All right, Jill, you have a great day. You also. Thank you. 
And that was Mike Dandria from our T Skywarn 13 weather. And that is bar- brought to you by Markwart Motors. Markwart Motors has the area's largest pre-owned inventory with pre-owned selections arriving daily. Check them out on the lot or at markwartmotors.com. So we're going to be hearing it is 20, 28 minutes to 5. We're going to run on over and see what the local news is from Morgan. Good morning, Morgan. Well, good morning. Here's what we're learning today coming out of the weekend and plugging into a new week. Mother Nature gets center stage. Just about everybody should have lights back on in the western part of our state. But it was a stormy weekend, and XL Energy said crews did have a couple hundred people without power yesterday after those storms. Hayward and Cable were the area's hardest hit here nearest to us. But across the state, it was actually a tornado. The National Weather Service confirmed that a tornado touched down late Saturday southeast of Stoughton. Now, there was plenty of damage, several roofs, one farm building completely destroyed and several trees ripped out of the ground. Winds likely topped out at about 95 miles an hour in that storm. In other headlines, Governor Evers will be making the trip to our state today, planting down pretty close to home in Mustang country in the Menominee area, and that's to deliver one of those checks to folks in Menominee. No one's saying just what he'll be speaking about, but he is planning to crisscross the state and kind of make those little pit stops and visits. We're expecting him in Menominee City Hall probably about noon 30 or so. Stretching the lens to the world stage, if you're looking to donate charity to help those affected in the way of Ukraine, the Better Business Bureau does have some tips. BBB of Wisconsin President Jim Temner says that for the time being, probably best to maybe stick with those larger, more established agencies. Not all relief organizations will be positioned to provide relief quickly. Uh, And that usually means it's going to be one of the larger ones. And there might be some great small charities out there, but are they going to have access and be able to get what is needed to the people that need it right now. Groups like the Red Cross, Doctors Without Borders, and UNICEF are all working to provide relief, and the BBB has a list of other large qualified agencies online. You can find that at give.org. We'll make an easy click here locally to 715newsroom.com. On the state level, the Wisconsin Elections Commission says that Mike Abelman's second preliminary report on the 2020 election is filled with inaccuracies. WEC Administrator Megan Wolf tells Capital City Sunday that clearly more work has to be done on educating the public on elections. So I think we all share a responsibility when we see information that's incomplete, when we see information that is misleading, uh, when we see people involving themselves in elections in a way that is not transparent. Gableman's report called for the dissolving of the commission and also making an attempt to undo Wisconsin's certification of President Joe Biden's victory in that 2020 election. And we're going underwater for this story. A ship is finally found a short 130 years after missing, right, Mark? The wreckage of the Atlanta was discovered 650 feet down in Lake Superior near Deer Park, Michigan. The Great Lakes Shipwreck Historical Society made the announcement on Thursday. The over 170-foot schooner barge sank in 1891 during a storm. Only two of the seven-member crew eventually made it safely to shore. The frigid waters of Lake Superior are to thank for the wreck's well-preserved condition. I'm Mark Mayfield. And here above ground and in the farmyard, you're listening to Jill Bucky in the Midwest Farm Show. Then just after 6, Alex Edwards takes us up and down for the whirly ride as we get going into a brand new week it's the usual cast of unusuals in the wax morning show we're here live local right along with you and getting started on a monday on wax thank you morgan for that update we're going to be doing a few more chores and then we're going to be hearing from jim Lindsay of equity altoona and then we're going to run on over to jerry fitzgerald from stratford and finally michelle from terrine livestock The first voice of agriculture in Wisconsin for over 35 years. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. 
And let's hear from Jim Lindsay of Equity Altoona. Choice beef steers and heifers, $1.15 to $1.35. Choice dairy cross steers and heifers, $1.10 to $1.35. High yielding choice and prime Holstein steers, $1.20 to $1.35. Choice Holstein steers, $1.10 to $1.19. Select underfinished heavyweight oversized steers and heifers, $1.09 and down. Top 20% of the cull cow sold from 74 to 78. We topped at 80.50. 50. 60% of the cow sold from 62 to 73. The bottom 20% of the cow sold from 61 and down. Organic market from Tuesday, 80% of the organic cow sold from 90 to $1.10. The bottom 20% of the organic cows sold from 89 and down. Cold bulls sold from 70 to a dollar. Thin full horn and lightweight bulls all discounted. 80% of the 95-pound and up Holstein bull calves sold from 70 to $185 per head. Light and poor quality calves sold from $70 per head and down. Quality beef calves sold from $100 to $280 per head. Sows on Thursday sold from 68 to 73. We did top at 74 and a half. If you have any questions about how to register as a bidder on Cattle USA or to consign cattle to upcoming sale, feel free to give us a call at 715-835-3104 to check out our early consignments. Go to the Equity Livestock Market Consignment page and click on the Altoona Market. This has been Jim Lindsay reporting from Equity Livestock in Altoona. Have a great day. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. So I have Jerry Fitzgerald on the line. After I got my mouse under control and getting it to do what it wants to be, what I want it to do, it's not really listening. So, Jerry Fitzgerald from Stratford. Jill, good morning to you. It sounds like uh, a bigger hammer and go after that baby, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think the next guy might be upset if I do that, so I better not. Better not do that. Well, Jill, uh, we'll uh, get uh, the report happening this week here at Equity Stratford busy week on and uh well thank you and uh, this like i said we got a busy week on tap here at equity stratford we'll get started this morning right away 30 a.m this market cattle today of course we sell today. fed cattle bulls and baby calves today will be 11 30 of course uh, we all know the markets are in pretty good uh, shape here so uh continue this week uh and, uh tomorrow tuesday a very busy day tomorrow tuesday here at stratford we start at 10 o'clock tomorrow with a Straw auction. Uh, consignments on hay do include. We do have uh, small squares. The first crop that sale tomorrow, but the big sale tomorrow, the dairy cattle sale. A very good top quality wheat milking cow and springing heifer dispersal for that sale tomorrow. So, folks, if you're looking some really good cows, tomorrow at 11 o'clock at the dairy sale, complete uh, dispersal of Englewood M&E LLC. The in Wisconsin, uh, approximately about 100 head will sell. This will include all the cows and the heifers. Uh, most of the cows are first and second lactations. We have updated milk weights and components. That's all going to be available tomorrow. Now, a catalog is available, so we invite you folks this morning. Take some time. On Equity Stratford, uh, on our page, uh, and the link to the herd catalog is there. So, again, a very excellent opportunity. Very good, top quality young cows. Several of these cows are milking over 100 already today uh, in their lactation here. So, like I said before, a lot of first and second calf cows. That will be tomorrow's auction. Following the uh, dairy sale tomorrow will be the market sale for market cows, organic market cows. Our Wednesday auction is a full marketing day on Wednesday, uh, highlighted by the feeder cattle sale. We do have a good quality feeder cattle already consigned in that you don't see every day, folks. We do have a consignment of fish white parks, steers and heifers. So if you're looking for something like that, we'll say about that uh, tomorrow. But again, uh, 
a big dairy sale tomorrow. So, folks, uh, certainly take some time, look at the catalog. Very good cows for that sale tomorrow. And uh, Jill, we'll be back here tomorrow morning to give an update on the market prices from today. So, folks, I don't think uh, uh, the roads are pretty good in your part of the world, Jill, I guess, huh? Oh, yeah. They, they dried off. They're pretty good. It's just out in the yard is a little bit rough. Yeah, well, anyway, folks, uh, drive careful, and it doesn't really look like we're going to have spring anytime soon, does it? Nah, 20 degrees is better than 20 below. That's all I got to say. I'm one day closer to spring, so. Well, that's not too far away. What is it, uh, from today? couple weeks. A huh? couple weeks, yeah. Oh, very good. Well, you have a nice day, and hopefully you uh, get that little mousy to work for you. <laughs> yeah, I'll do what I can. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a nice day. Yep, you too. And that was Jerry Fitzgerald from Stratford. We're going to go through and do a few more chores, and then we're going to be hearing from Michelle from Terrine Livestock. Brought to you by Chippewa Valley Bean of Menominee. Chippewa Valley Bean is excited to welcome spring and all the opportunity it brings. And as you think about what you're planting in your fields, Chippewa Valley Bean wants you to consider growing a crop of kidney beans. Kidney beans are a great addition to your rotation and bring great value back to your farm. If you're looking for new opportunities for your farm, give their agronomist Ben a call at 715-556-1930. That's 715-556-1930. Or visit them at cvbean.com. For those who work in acres, not in hours, Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. All right, I have Michelle from Terrine Livestock on the line. Did you have a pretty busy week last week? I did have a busy week last week, and you know, it was uh, good to have a busy week and then have a nothing going on weekend, right? That is awesome. I don't know. I ended up with an extra nap or two in. Need some sleep in my bank, I think. Yeah, I bet. Well, after a busy week, a little rest ain't bad, right? You bet. Prepares me for the next week. So what happened in your mm-hmm. markets last week? All right. Thank you, Jill. Coming up the week of February 28th at Train Livestock Market in the Slavica Market, we tapped at 87. 85% of the cows sold from 60 and above. Market cows were 74 to 85. Low yielding cows, 62 to 73. Thin and weak cows, 60 and lower. In the Holstein Steer Market Choice, 112 to 128. Select for 110 and down. For beef type steers and heifers, choice, 115 to 136. Select for 112 and down. In the bull market, high yielding beef types came in at 78 to a dollar with the utilities at 75 and down. In the replacement calf market, good quality Holstein bull calves so from 100 to a top of $246 per head. Lighter and lower quality calves, $30 per head and down. Holstein heifer calves were 10 to $75 per head. Beef beef cross calves, 85 to 350 per head. In the hog market, butcher hogs were 59 to 74. Sows were 60 to 72 and a half. Boars were 28 and down. Today will be our next show. We'll start with calves at 5 p.m. If you have any questions or you need trucking, give us a call at the market at 715-669-7127. And check us out on the web at tlmthorpe.com. For all the Citrine and Livestock, your family owned an operating market. Have a great day. Michelle, I was up in your area here just a couple weeks ago and checking things out. So I was wondering, which of those big mansions is yours? <laughs> no, I, I don't have one of those big mansions, but there's some nice ones here. There's some very nice houses. I thought for sure that that biggest one that I saw with the pool out front and the pool out back, maybe that one was yours. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Too much maintenance for me. 
<laughs> well, maybe I'll have to stop in and you'll have to show me which one is your mansion. Yeah, you stop in sometime. Uh, I will, I will. Okay. And that was Michelle from Tareen Livestock. You have a great day. So we're going to run right over to our country elevator prices. Golden Plump is at six ninety one. Baldwin, Elmwood, and Fall Creek are at six eighty four for corn, and Dur- Durant's at six eighty two. Mondovi's at six eighty six. Soybean prices: Baldwin, Duran, Mondovi, Elmwood, Fall Creek, and Osseo are all at sixteen oh seven for their soybeans. Osseo is at six eighty nine for corn. Elk Mound is at six seventy eight and sixteen nineteen. Stevens Point's at sixteen oh five for their soybeans. Spars six ninety six. And sixteen eleven, Ellsworth's at six seventy nine and fifteen ninety two. Doomers Buck Country is at seven dollars for their corn and sixteen twenty for soybeans. Wheat and Chippewa Falls and Connorsville locations are at sixteen ninety seven for corn and sixteen six ninety seven for corn and sixteen twenty one for soybeans. And the ethanol plants, Boyceville's seven fourteen with Stanley and New Richmond, no quote. And our March corn. Is at six eighty six. Hmm. Chicago Board of Trade March corn is at seven seventy eight with oats at seven twenty five and soybeans at seventeen oh six with meat at with wheat at twelve dollars. We've got to do a few more chores and then we're going to be hearing from Mike uh, the alfalfa program on Monday. And now it's time to hear from Doctor Dan Understander and our alfalfa program. That's what I have for you for today. And our weather is supposed to be a little bit cooler going on through the week. And remember, that's sponsored by Markwart Motors. And here we go. It's March, and our eyes are focused on spring. Still a ways away yet, but we still have to be prepared. Dan Undersander joins us this morning on our next Go Alfalfa Update program. And, Dan, now that we're here in March, I don't think any place in the state has an overabundance of snow cover are you concerned as we get closer to spring and, and through March about moisture and alfalfa? Yes, Bob, uh, we're watching that and, uh, and really concerned. Uh, the soil moisture won't affect the winter survivability. In fact, it can be helpful if soils are too wet. We tend to have more winter kill. But uh, the situation is that at least the southern half of the state is really pretty dry. And uh, what a lot of people don't realize is as March comes around, then the alfalfa plant uh, has had roots die back in the fall, and then they start growing again in the spring, and then we have the rest of the spring growth and first cutting. But if we don't get good root growth in March because of dry soils, then we will not have as high a yield. Again, from a mowing standpoint, a lot of people don't realize that alfalfa is continually putting out new roots and having them die back. Uh, This is, for example, how alfalfa and any other legume uh, transfers nitrogen to grasses that might be growing with it. The roots die back, the grasses can take up the nitrogen from those roots, and then alfalfa puts out new roots. So as we're thinking about growth, we should remember that March is a time for root growth, and that, in fact, uh, has a lot to do with how high the first cutting yield is going to be. We see the same thing on successive cuttings during the year. 
when we mow alfalfa first, second, or third cutting, the roots tend to die back. And then they recover in uh, two or three weeks, and then they are ready to produce good yield for the next cycle of growth. So we need to think uh, heavily about the root growth pattern of alfalfa. And uh, at this point, there is concern that because of the dry soils, if we don't get significantly more snow or rain during early March, then we aren't going to have the root growth we'd like to see. And then even though it warms up and rains in April and May, we're not going to get as high a yield as if we had a good base structural root set in in March. And at least in the immediate future, there doesn't look like there's any heavy snowfalls forecast around Wisconsin, so we'll keep a close eye on those alfalfa stands and our snow cover. Dan Undersander, our state forage specialist, with us once again on our next Grow Alfalfa Update program. Thanks, Bob and Dan, for that update. Some more chores to do to finish up our day. Remember to take care of yourself and take care of each other.